long ago, in the distant future, where evil knights joust upon beasts of the air, you too must fly, joust, and retrieve the enemy's egg before it hatches, and beware the lava below. You can experience this world from the other side. It's called Joust, the arcade game, home now only from Atari, a video game hardly. Joust, you don't play it, you live it. Entertainment. I told you already, I'm gonna kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That's not how the force works. Very small man can cast a very large shadow. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. Impressive. Most impressive. You are on the Sith list. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Mm. To episode number 87 of The Sith List. I'm your host, Araj Shahi, and my Easter egg co-pilot for this evening's 80s Easter egg adventure, the young, the restless, Carlos Buarguayo. The man we call Crunch Crunch, the hole, his Easter eggs inside of his hole, less oh. is... More Gonzalez? The man we call the hair, Eric Strava! Didn't even let me do it. He just fucking jumped in and did his fucking Stratus. What's <laughs> happening, guys? Dude, it's good to be yeah. back. Yeah, yeah it good. is good to be back. Now, I know we didn't miss an episode. We put out episodes the last two weeks, but we haven't recorded in about two weeks mm-hmm. because we recorded those two episodes. And they were actually the last episode, last couple episodes were great. They were. Thank you, Simon, for coming on. Mm-hmm. Episode number 85, I believe, or 86. I don't remember. Yeah, 85. 85. 85. And then we had the new um, little segment that people seem to love, Strumming mm-hmm. with Struthers. <laughs> uh, episode number 86, and we talked about Led Zeppelin and all that great stuff. We had great feedback. So yeah, we, we put those out, but we haven't talked to each other really uh, podcast-wise uh, in a couple of weeks. So this is uh, a welcome back episode for mm-hmm. us. We are part of a amazing podcast network, the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, which includes Rogue One, Blue Harvest, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, The Cantina Cast, Idiot's Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Podcast 2187, The Cargo Hold, and Fingered with Randy and Jason. So tune in to those amazing podcasts. You can also catch us on Instagram, The Sith List, Facebook, The Sith List. You can email us, the Sith List at gmail.com. We have a hotline. 707-65-GEEK-1. That's 707-654-3351. And you can buy our swag on Public. Just look up the Sith list. Great. How the hell are you guys? You good, Boo? You doing all right? I'm doing very good. Any, any, anything you want to get off your chest, Boo? Any uh, kind of uh, information, Boo? Anything, I don't know, 
Anything? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm in a relationship now. I have a girlfriend. What? Now. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I go across the world, and you come back, and you're in a relationship. Yes, yes, I am. I'm, I'm in a very, very happy, very nice relationship with uh, Brittany Brown. Wait a second. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Downtown Brittany Brown. Yep. From the famous Canto Bite Dispatch. Yes. You are in a relationship with that young lady? I am, yes. She is my girlfriend, yes. Wow. I am. You know what? I'm nice. very, very happy. Love is in the air. Everywhere I look around. I'm very you. happy, too, yes. No, it's very nice. Thank you, guys. Yeah. My, my, I, obviously, I, I knew you guys were together, but I was trying to get my high school drama skills there. <laughs> I was trying to get it all full force because I took drama for a couple of years in high school. Um, <laughs> I don't think it worked out very well. But we are. I am very happy for Thank you. That Thank you so much. No, that it is, is very, very good. good. Yes. Blueberry Brown, dude. That's your nickname. <laughs> Blueberry Brown. Blueberry Brown. Yeah, yeah. I love it. The, uh, Bootney is the Bootney is, Bootney the, is in full force. The name, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Really cool, man. Yeah, no, it is very good. Yeah, I'm very she happy. She is a fantastic mm-hmm. woman. Yes, no, yeah. Good yeah. for you. I don't know how you landed that shit. <laughs> <laughs> You bless your luck, stars. <laughs> I, I, I had to give a shout out to some people who uh, live in the uh, up uh, up east, the tri-state area. They, oh yes, they, they assisted me in yes. uh, in my endeavor. So I right. had to give a, a major shout out to them. Absolutely, yes, exactly. thank you. Exactly. How you doing, Les? Doing okay. I was, I was you sick. Go, are you in a relationship with someone? Like, uh, it's on a podcast too. You and Mike Pappas together. <laughs> sure. Why not, man? Pappas uh, is taken. I would say Grosso, but Grosso's mine. How was your How was your break? I was sick. Oh, that's again, awful. that's fucking awful. I need to live in a bubble. <laughs> Just Man, really do. We call the bubble the bubble. All right. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Maybe. Eric Struthers, how the hell are yes, you? Yes, sir. Man, I'm great. I'm super great. Everything's great. <laughs> it, you know, it is. And you know, if you just say that you're great, and then things will be great. That's the secret. Man, I should write a book called that. Everything's great. No, the I should write a book called The Secret. You should talk man. about how as long as you dwell on on things, those things will happen. But no, seriously, man, it's I'm doing very well. Thank you, sir. Yeah, of course, man, of course. And I just got back from a crazy mm-hmm. trip. I got to go see Pearl Jam at Lollapalooza in Brazil, which was one of the one of the greatest Pearl Jam shows I've ever seen. I've seen them about seven or eight times, and I got to go to Peru. And I went to Machu Picchu. Great time. I uh, went with Andrew and Stephanie. So big shout out with them. And of course, my wife, Lorena. Had a great time. Wonderful people over there. My love for Pearl Jam has even risen above mm. what it was. But here's the crazy thing. Before we left, we talked about David Gilmore. Eric so eloquently talked about David Gilmore and his favorite, two different favorite solos. And it's from Comfortably Numb. Well, Pearl Jam ends up playing Comfortably Numb in an encore. And it was amazing. Just a coincidence. I've never heard them play that before. Very cool. They must have been listening to our podcast. <laughs> so, Eddie, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. <laughs> but other than that, man, let's get ready to rumble here. Let's do a little podcast. You guys ready? Yep. Oh, yeah. All right. Ready. Yeah. Well, box office, for once, has changed up a little bit. <laughs> it's not Black Panther anymore, even though Black Panther is still kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. We have a new number one. Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One topped the weekend box office and delivered the director's largest opening weekend in 10 years. It made $51 million domestically and $181 million worldwide. 
The weekend also saw a strong second place debut for Lionsgate's Acrimony. That's a Tyler Perry film. And while Black Panther and I can only imagine remaining in the top five, they continue to have impressive runs. That's all from boxofficemojo.com. Ready Player One, doing well. Very surprising. It's his biggest opening in 10 years. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and three out of four of us, you guys get to pick and guess which one didn't get to see it, but three out of four of us saw it, and we're going to review it tonight. <laughs> we're going to review I wonder it. who it is. I wonder who it is. Yeah, uh, I didn't see it, everyone. Sorry. Yeah. Les saw it twice. <laughs> I saw it when, right when I got back from my trip. Boo saw it. Yep. The opening night, probably, yep. or the night before. I mean, the night after. Of course, Eric didn't see it, but we're going to... Eric definitely wants to see this one, and our review, I think it's going to put him over the top, or he's just going to go tomorrow morning. He's going to skip work, and he's going to go tomorrow morning. Or our reviews might be so shitty that he's not going to want to see it. Three of us... Unlikely. (laughs) Boo and I really haven't talked about it. Mm -mm. Uh, uh, Me and Les have, because we saw it together. So we're going to break that down. Here's something that's going to be really cool. We're going to play a special sound effect throughout one time, somewhere, placed hidden in this podcast. And if you tell us and DM me what that sound effect is and where it's from, we're going to send you a care package, a Sithless care package full of comics and other cool things. Mm. So the first three people, we're going to do it in, in order. The first three people that get what that sound is from then DM me at the Sithless on Twitter. We're going to send you a gift. Very cool. It's our own little Easter egg. Mm. Pretty cool. But before we get into Ready Player One, we're going to get into the world of Star Wars. You ready for a little Star Wars? I'm ready, man. Let's do some Star Wars chit chat. <laughs> All right, so real quick, let's just bust out any news that's kind of out there. Sort of the biggest thing, I would say, it was there's a Denny's commercial that revolves around the Solo movie. They're doing, you know, the the in-restaurant promotion with the cards and the cups and the whole bit, which I haven't been able to go to Denny's yet, but <laughs> soon, baby, soon. Before, before you go on, Eric Struthers, before you go on, what yes. is your favorite Denny's dish? Man, probably the Lumberjack Slam. That's pretty epic. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that That is. The All-American Slam is pretty amazing, too. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy in college that always used to get the moons over my hammy covered and smothered. Smothered and covered. I remember that. Remember that? Yeah, remember that? That was his calling card. <laughs> well, here's one of the problems. I'll just tell you real quick with Denny's, man, is they didn't have the combination that is country fried steak with white gravy and pancakes. Like, you had to build your own. Right. For right. the longest time. And it's like you it's like they're so close. Well, here's country fried steak and eggs. Okay, you're close. But let's do this. And so you know, a, a little known fact probably is IHOP. I suspect they added that combination to their menu specifically. I, I was just for about me. to say that, Eric. I was just about to bust out and be like, IHOP has that shit hands yeah. freaking down. Yeah. For for my buddy Evan and me, I think they're like, We're so sick of you guys ordering two meals each, <laughs> you fat turds. So here. <laughs> Well, I, I don't have any proof, and they'd probably say no, and they'd probably claim they don't have any idea who we are. But, you know, <laughs> my my mom says the same thing. So whatever, mom. I don't need your crap. <laughs> but uh, So in this commercial, they show, my guess is, is that it's a setup straight out of a scene from the movie. 
where they're at, they're at a sabbat table and they zoom in on like it's a kid, two kids that are supposed to be Lando and Han. I'm pretty sure, yeah, Jay Ward, man, he said that it was right from the movie in the scene where Han wins the the Falcon from wow. Lando. But the creatures that you get to see in there, it is really cool. And there's this little like four eared mouse guy that everybody's in love with. It's uh, it's got me more excited for the movie than ever. And, you know, in typical Internet fashion, people have had all kinds of things to say, like Ron Howard tweets that they're in the middle of editing and mixing specifically. And people are like, this movie, it comes out in a month and some change and it's not even done. And this is going to that's a sign. It's going to be a train wreck. It's like, no, dude, that's how that's how it works. That's how movies work, people. Yeah. But anyway, it's. It looks pretty cool, man. And so we should be. I'm thinking we're going to have to have a solo trailer pretty much any time now. Well, Ron Howard actually said that there is going to be a solo trailer very soon. Right. Just yeah. the when. That's the question. Yeah. He replied to a Twitter follower. Twitter follower said, is there a trailer coming out very soon? And he just put, quote unquote, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. we're going to get one sometime in the near future. That's for oh, sure. Sweet. Sweet, sweet. So we talked a little bit about how The Last Jedi home release. So it's in all the formats in in the States and pretty much everywhere. It's out. Everybody has it that's going to get it. And the supplemental material, the bonus material in this is amazing. It's very well thought out. It's not stuff that is just there for filler. Almost everything has a rewatchability factor that I would say is pretty good. I think that there's a lot of people who, if they would just settle down and and watch, for example, The Director and the Jedi, it's a feature-length documentary that is a bonus feature, incredibly well done, and watch as Ryan Johnson talks about basically his thought process and Mark Hamill talks about, well, here's here's was my opinion on it, and he weighs in with, I told him, I disagree with what you're doing. But once I said that, I'm like, show me the way you're the, you know, you're the boss. Mm -hmm. And, and his attitude towards it, quite frankly, (laughs) was, was a breath of fresh air. I don't think he ever got to the point where he thought, okay, I, I understand why Luke has to go at the end of this. But he was completely devoted to making what I had written the most powerful version it can possibly be on the screen. It's the fact that those were his feelings and he still turned in the performance that he turned in speaks right. volumes for, for oh, yeah. him as a person. And there was nothing in the extra material that didn't add to the movie for me personally. And I know at least a couple of people who weren't real hip on the movie when it first came out who have since been converted after watching that. Right. There was an article yeah. on Collider with one of their head people that review their movies say I and the headline on Collider was I was wrong about The Last Jedi. And, yeah. And is after he watched it on Blu-ray. Hmm. Yeah. It was a pretty cool, well, pretty cool article. I just watch everything that came on the bonus disc. Just do it because it's so worth it. And if you watch anything where you're like, I feel like I wasted my time, Strathers. I want my time back. Get a hold of me. We'll talk about it. We'll see what we can work out. But um, 
the we'll throw, deleted we'll throw a Zemeckis cube at you. Ah, oh. that's the the deleted scene reel is at least on the streaming platforms is one video, and I didn't look to see if it was cut up by chapters. But so you're watching it in a in a whole string. The director commentary is great. It's just Ryan talking about, you know, his thought process, what what he was thinking making the movies. Now, something that he said in there that I didn't catch right off, but now I can't unsee it. What did you what? guys did you guys ever watch the show The Young Ones? Oh yeah, was, remember that it was on. It's a it's English. A, it's a British show. Comedy. Yeah. Yeah. The the guy who the the first order guy who says. Looks like we've caught them in the middle of their evacuation. That guy, that is Vivian from the oh young ones. Oh my God, from the young ones. Yes. Holy crap. And Ryan mentions that. And so I was like, oh no. And he said it was all he could do to not just go around quoting the show. Oh man. They should put, they should oh, put a quote, quote from the show in that part. That would have been funny. That would have been really it funny. Was, it was great, man. It was great, but but just his respect for the whole thing, and just to see how much the experience meant to him and meant to the actors, and and again, I can't say enough about Mark Hamill. The dude was my hero when I was a kid because he played Luke Skywalker. Man, this is—I think I tweeted this exact same thing. I'm so generic, but he's my <laughs> hero now because of how he how he handled all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot to be said for. For his decision to to do do it the way he did. Well, see again. I mean, and I told Brian this. It's no surprise. I said I just fundamentally disagree with your concept of this character and how you use him. Now, having said that, I'll do everything within my power to realize your vision because you know it's not my character to to decide. It belongs to other people. They just rent it out to me. And good for him, man. And good for the movie and good for the fans. And it's okay for him to have a different opinion. And one of the things that this spoke volumes to me was when Ryan was talking about how he agonized over, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And... You know, he kept coming back to if this story is going to progress, if this is going to move forward and in any way not exactly duplicate everything we've done up until now, then, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. This is what needs to happen for the story. He had a vision for this. It wasn't. Oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe. So it's 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 all a good watch, man. And the deleted scenes, it's cool to see where like a lot of them were actually more or less finished. So there's a lot of effects in there too. Right. But as you watch, you get to see, <laughs> I don't know, man, this is pretty nerdy of me, but like what their archival process must involve because in the black bars above and below the video, there's tons of data and it's all tagged and cataloged and shoot day and uh, the actual date and like all these serial numbers and factors. But then whenever they show something that's been to ILM, it's all labeled differently. And I'm imagining, oh my gosh, what they must go through to control all this is mind numbing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in those archives? Oh, dude. 
What's your favorite deleted scene, Eric? Probably the. I think it it's called Luke has a moment where he's. It, this would have been after the wait. Where's Han? And then they're outside, and Chewbacca and Ray are they're outdoors. He goes back into his hut and sits down, and man, Hamill sold it, dude. Where he just is like letting it. He's soaking it up. The fact that Han's gone. Yeah, what, what, did I, I completely wreck this? I don't know yeah. why they didn't leave, put that in the film. Mm-hmm. Well, and Ryan talked about that. So I mentioned in the commentary, uh, one of the big discoveries in the editing of this was we ended up doing a lot less big intercutting between the storylines um, as we cut the movie. We realized we wanted to put put sequences together and stay in the same place for longer. This is an example of that. This is a transition that originally happens after their conversation here um, where we transition back to Leia. And at some point we realized we wanted to just keep going with this story and then it made sense to lose this so we could go straight into their day on the island. But the collateral damage of that was losing this beautiful performance from Mark, um, which is not only gorgeous where he gets a moment alone, but also then was originally designed to cut with this shot of Carrie and kind of a matching cut and show the two of them kind of just having a moment alone morning, which um, is really beautiful. I'm glad we at least get to see it here. There's an extended Father Air chase scene, which I'm I'm glad that it was way shorter yeah, <laughs> than, exactly. than that one. But yeah, a lot of that stuff, it was just time. And he's, he talks about which ones were just like ate him up, taking them out. And I get it, man. I, I do. It's just like working on an album. You never are done. You just run out of time and space. Yeah. And you, and, have, to, and you have to pick the ones that work out flow. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, because I've had to cut. Yeah, I've had to cut sections out of songs. It's like, oh, man, this is so cool. And it's not enough to stand on its own. But when I leave this in here, then getting back to the end makes no sense at all. And so I get it. But there's there was another one that one little point I want to make about it is. And this was like floating around online. The the scene where like the alternate phasma death. Finn is on top of this elevated platform and she and some stormtroopers are scaling it and they get up to the top. She's got that hole in her helmet that she had after he clocked her with the the riot baton. Right. Disobedient. Disrespectful. Traitor! You call for order. You beat us down. But when your shiny neck was threatened, you squealed like a whoop hog. The evidence blew up at the base, but you and I know the truth. So, if you do all the, the 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 due diligence of thinking this through, it would indicate that she lived through whatever happened to her immediately following that. Exactly. You were always scum. Rebel scum. The fact that she didn't end up getting shot by Finn and flying off that thing again definitely sets up the the, the thing that she could be alive, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, in my opinion as well. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that she survived that thing. Here's one thing I want to ask all you guys, is if you had a chance, you're directing it, let's say you're editing this thing, you had a chance to take a scene out of The Last Jedi, which scene would it be? Hmm. So if you two think about it. Struthers, you yeah, want to go? I have one. 
You have one? Okay, go ahead, Les. I think it would be the scene where, is it Rose? Yeah, Tico. The, the kissing? Yeah. Yeah, that's gone. Right, me too. Like, I, I didn't buy it. Well, I think a lot of people are in agreement, or in agreement that it, it was pretty much stuffed in there. Right. The romantic tone had probably hadn't been set yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. In most movies, Absolutely. Yeah. the romantic tone is already set, and it's like, and then, you know, there's going to be a moment where they do kiss and it, it seals the deal. But this one was like, what do you think? Charles? What, what scene would you take out of the last Jedi? That one would, is a, is close to okay. one of my, my, one of my top picks. A couple of the deleted scenes actually fill in the exact stuff you're talking about. It's like, how did they get here? How, where's the, where's the build up to right. this? And you exactly. see a little bit of that and what they cut out. But, there's just some sections in the the Favier chase scene. I would probably tighten that up even more. Just me personally. Yeah, cut down the because length it, of it. You mean? Yeah, because it 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 takes me out of it just a little bit. Some, but that's a very minor complaint, you know. So, but that's just me. But yeah, the thing with Rose kissing Finn on the surface felt so awkward. I mean, the very first time I saw it, I was like, Ew, what? Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, we were just like, huh, what? You know um, what I wanted? Uh, I wanted, it was kind of cringy. I wanted seals kiss from a rose in the background. Huh. <laughs> huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. That would have just, oh yeah. That would have been, that would have been amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. time for a sound bite. By the way, um, I know you guys have heard while you're listening to this podcast, you've heard the Back to the Future little twinkle. That is definitely not the fucking Easter egg. So mm-hmm. don't think uh-huh. that that's the don't fucking Easter Don't get on it yet, kids. Good try. Nice try, guys. But no. <laughs> Everybody's like already damning. Like yeah, already like, damn it. I totally replayed that shit 10 times. <laughs> yeah. I was sure that was the noise. It is not that. Speaking of John Boyega, he confirms... According to Slash Film, this is what he said. I haven't read the script of episode nine, but Daisy Ridley, who did shoot me a text saying, oh my gosh, I just heard from JJ that we're back together. And that's what I'm really excited about is Finn and Ray back together. again. They team up again. I think that's just England. That's just England. What does that I mean? think that's just them being English. Oh, both of them? <laughs> yeah. Just well, no, they're, they're still. No, no, no I don't, I'm not saying that they're together together. I'm I saying. Know. We're going to see an adventure with both of them, which yes. is awesome. Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm stoked about that. And then Rose is going to get in the way. Hmm. You think she tases Ray? Well, you know what it that is. That would be great. <laughs> you think she that would oh, tase dude, Ray? Now like, we're talking. Back off my man, B. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you do that shit. <laughs> well, Les, you know that every Rose has its thorn. So. Oh. Oh. Rose. Oh. 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 <laughs> Oh, wow. oh, dude, I can I just hear it right now. In my life, I would hear it last. <laughs> I don't even know the rest of it, yo. That's it. That's all I got, man. That's As the most. I don't even know the band. Is it po- Poison or? It's Poison. Oh, yeah. Every cowboy sings yes, a sad, sad I, I, song. I could, just, <laughs> I could just hear it right now, man. When Rose is like, no, but you know what? You are. Because my sister, Paige, she would have said, Rose, 
that girl's a bitch. You need to get her out of the way. <laughs> it'd be just like that, just like that conversation with Finn in reverse, mm, man. Yeah. Kaboom. And you tease the Dang. things that are trying to take the things that you love. <laughs> that's, that's how I win his heart. But I, I don't get the, here's not the by kissing him on the mouth, but by, by killing all my competition. By tasing Ray. That's how we're going to win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. Now, I don't know what, where the hate is. So much hate for her. Like, I don't hate her. I don't. I know you don't. I know you don't. I know you. No, no, nobody here does, and I don't think Eric does either. But there, there. I've talked to people that say, "Oh that yeah, she's yes. the Jar Jar of this trilogy," and that's no. not fair. That is, so that is not, not fair, fair, dude. Not, dude. So not I love fair. Rose, man. I got no problems with Rose. That is not Rose, fair at awesome. all. I think she's great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Meh. no. But we need that like quirk. She's, she's got the quirky. And I like her as a person thing. and as a human being. Yes. In real life, she's fantastic. I yeah, like there's her. nothing wrong with her at and all. And people, she looked great at the Oscars, so fuck off if you guys are body shaming her. She looked fantastic at the Oscars. I mean, so, she was whatever. at the Oscars while everybody else was using her right. fucking Twitter thumbs. That's exactly right. Shut she was at up. the Oscars presenting while your asses are tweeting about her, so <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I think that with her character, man... I mean, I'm just riffing off of her approach to the whole thing where she's telling Finn, you know, you are a hero, but it's, she's got this innocence and she's got the, the whole, she's the one outside of the circle that ends up getting taken along for the ride. She's the, she's the wild card. And I think that makes her character awesome. The way she played that out was fantastic. And it added some depth that, Let's face it, not everybody you're going to encounter is going to be this this crack ace that's perfectly cut out for the situation they're put in in real life. And that made her character so cool. It's the completely unexpected <laughs> sort of how did I get here, but somehow makes it all work out. She's A plus, A plus Rose Tico. Anything else? with? Oh, you know what? There is something else. Mark Hamill spoke with Collider last week. He was asked about what order would you watch all the Star Wars films, the whole trilogy, even including Rogue One. So he first said, well, I would watch it in the order it came out. That makes the most sense. And then he went, and these are his, this is from him, quote, I mean, wait a second. Rogue One comes before four. Yeah, so you go one, two, three, Rogue One, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's how you should watch it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a question that everybody asks everybody in a Star Wars podcast. Everybody knows everybody's way of watching in the machete style, blah, blah, blah. I personally disagree. With Luke Skywalker, your hero? I know. I know, man. Who would have thought? But here's the thing. One, two, and three were made from the perspective that you had some sort of inside knowledge of what was going on. Now, plenty of people, that was their first experience with Star Wars. So it was also done in a way where that wasn't a prerequisite, but your enjoyment of the film and understanding of all the things going on is enhanced by having seen four, five, and six. Okay. Now, Rogue One, that's sort of the wild card. You could make a case for what I just said or make a case for ah, it doesn't really matter. Just watch it because you don't need to know all these other things ahead of time. But it makes Tarkin's character more interesting having seen the original Star Wars before seeing Rogue One. Uh, 
and just like how the empire works in general and where things are then versus where they are once you get into Empire Strikes Back. It really opens the door for man. What what happened and how did they shore themselves up from this to this in this span of movies? That's that you wouldn't ask yourself that if you saw Rogue One first. My biggest argument for it is I my my personal preference obviously is well I shouldn't say obviously how would anybody know is release order and the reason I say that is I love Star Wars I love my my Star Wars experience across my life and that's how I saw the movies and if I want somebody to get what I get out of Star Wars I would have to tell them they need to replicate my journey so to speak that's why I went to you first <laughs> what, you, what about you boo I would go in uh, numerical order, so episode one all the way over. But I would do, I would watch episode four, and then I would watch Rogue One, kind of like a documentary kind of thing. Like a, um, this is how the Death Star was made. This is how those plans were created after seeing episode four. Okay, so it, you'd it, go one, two, three, four, Rogue One, and then five, six, five, six, seven, seven eight. eight, yeah. Yeah, because I, I I feel that Rogue One, just like Shudder said, you could pop it in anywhere. Because I see it as as like I said, like a documentary or almost like a um, uh, not a deleted scene behind but the music kind Star of Wars. thing, exactly like that. Behind where, the music empire, exactly. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, okay. so that that would be my plan. Less, I might follow what Boo is saying. I might go Revenge of the Sith, then A New Hope, and then Rogue One. I'm gonna say this. I may just knock off. Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Well, uh, Eric, isn't the machete version knocking off Phantom Menace completely? I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it is. I, I, yeah, if I'm going to actually sit down, I guess I would do that. Just knock those two off. But then you would never see you. <laughs> and then just go like that and see, you know, the formate, you know, Vader's corrupt, you know, Anakin's corruption, complete Word. turn, the Emperor's complete exposure. Then that time jump to Obi-Wan being older, mentoring Luke, the Death Star and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Then seeing Rogue One, then going Empire and then just that seeing Rogue One, like you said, would make it to where I understand that there are two parts. It's not just the Jedi and the Sith. It's also it's a true war. Mm-hmm. There's a rebellion and an empire and there's an uprising going on. So that would put everything in perspective. for me. OK, gotcha. By the way, Mark Hamill, in the same interview, was asked about Carrie Fisher mm. and was asked about what they should do. There's a petition going out there that they should have Meryl Streep, because they were like very close and almost, I think they were best friends, take over the role uh, for this last one. And they asked Mark Hamill. So we have a sound clip from Collider about this. So let's listen to Mark Hamill about this issue. Well, first of all, I don't know uh, what the specific plans for, were for that character, but just the way Han Solo was more prominent in 7, Luke was more prominent in 8, we assumed that Leia would be more prominent in 9, especially since the dynamic of having Kylo Ren as her son. Um, I think it'd be tough recasting only because she's so indelibly linked with that character. They've already ruled out the idea of you know, computer generating a performance like they did with Peter Cushing. So, gee, that's that's got to be a really, uh, not an insurmountable problem, but, uh, you know, I know that the script had been developed enough so that when we lost her, they had to go back to square one. 
but she's irreplaceable. All right, there was Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, explaining his thoughts about how things pretty much should go down. And, and I agree with him 100%. I don't think they should recast. I don't think they should CGI. They should get together. They get paid millions of dollars to come up with great ideas, come up with a great idea. I don't know what that is. I don't get paid by Lucasfilm. So they do come up with a fucking good idea and make it work. They got to figure something out. I, they definitely shouldn't recast her. I think it'd be a huge mistake. Mark Hamill is correct. She's, she's permanently linked to that character. You, there was so much of Carrie Fisher in the character Princess Leia that it's like they're the same person. Right. And just like Luke is it's, Mark. Right. And it wouldn't go well with the fans. I mean, you think the hubbub over The Last Jedi was a mess. Good That's Lord saying, Almighty. Man. Oh my God. It would be the worst. I don't think they have much of a choice but to either advance the timeline to where she has passed away in the interim. You know, it's five years have gone by, insert whatever here, or that she's off somewhere else. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's a rough one. It is a tough one. Mm -hmm. But I, I do like Strother's idea of, of her passing. I think that's the only way because if she was somewhere else that would annoy me that would that wouldn't be good enough right because that, that, why wouldn't she be in the movie exactly if you're that, alive yeah exactly why wouldn't she be in the movie? that That's, just becomes a dangling plot thread that you gotta how are we tying this right. up or burning it off exactly yeah. we got we can't do that yeah, so it's not finite enough yeah you gotta make her yeah. pa have her passing away and maybe even a big ceremony something like that either at the beginning or the middle. I think just, they need to do something. it in the beginning and get it over with. Like get it That's over exactly with, so we're right. not all yeah, waiting for out. it. Yeah, get it over with. And and the whole time, the time passing would be very cool because you would it would be like a um a uh, what you might call it uh, from uh, Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. where um, Luke is barely a Jedi, and then you know when we when we see him in, in the was it Return of the Jedi, he's a Jedi Master. He's a total badass now. That'd be awesome to see Ray progress instead of being you know just barely a jedi now she's fully there uh kylo ren is even more of a sith uh well not even a sith person but more of a dark side user he's just a badass yeah, he's just a badass you know and then you know the the war has progressed even more the rebellion is stronger and stuff like mm -hmm. that so it'd be nice to see more of a uh increase in the yeah. war going on instead gotcha. of just being a small rebellion now it's two armies going at each other that'd be awesome to see and then it also gives them a way to pay tribute to luke giving his life for the rebellion also Here's my thing, man, and I mean, you can take it or leave it, but I don't see how it would be hard to have the next installment of this trilogy be two days from when The Last Jedi ended. Then you've got this trilogy that spawns from what we can realistically tell, like seven days. The worst week in galactic history, episode <laughs> yeah, seven, like eight, and nine. Oh man, <laughs> this week well, in galactic well, history, <laughs> right? Because well, because now they they would just the way things are left. There's not a clear cut. Oh man, what's going to happen next? There has to be a rebuilding because otherwise, it's just going to be more of them being chased down with this skeleton crew of people, and it's going to require some sort of miracle for them to win. Whereas if you give it some distance and be like, okay, they've managed to go into hiding. Kylo Ren has basically sunken into the depths of 
evil and madness at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, they've they've rebuilt their forces. They've reconnected with some of their allies in the Outer Rim. They have a plan. They have resources. Without that, man, it's just going to be this breathless chase to, to, to some end. I don't think it would be that satisfying of a cap. So just because of that, I think that puts them in a situation where they can have, well, enough time has passed that, you know, maybe Leia succumbed to her injuries that she received in The Last Jedi. Yeah, she never recovered fully. Right. Yeah. Oh, something we it's okay, in the in the deleted scenes of The Last Jedi, there's this scene where Tom Hardy's uh, he played a stormtrooper. Right. And he talks to Finn and that's that's interesting, but he has a an extremely southern slash hillbilly accent. Is there a problem, soldier? FN two one eight seven. You don't remember me? Nine two six. End up camp. Batch eight. Yeah. I remember you. Nine two six. Please don't do this. I'm sorry, Captain two one eight seven. I know I'm not supposed to initiate contact with officers, but I never took you for captain material. Look at you. Captain. That's it. I hope. That's it. I hope. And I'm trying to decide what I, I said he was from Space Mississippi, but uh-huh. what would be the best <laughs> we need we need the, the listeners to come up with a good location name for where he's from. Space Tucky. That's that that's a good one. I was gonna say <laughs> Space of Bama, but I didn't want Hawes to think we were picking on him. Yeah, no, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> Roll Tide. Anything else Star Wars wise, Struthers? No, man, that's it. That is it. It's a pretty good cover there. I mean, we covered about, you know, 40 minutes of Star Wars time. Mm-hmm. Love nice. it. Nice. It's great. Star Wars is neat. I like it a it's lot. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. We ready? You know what I'm going to do is um, let's talk real quick about a couple of other things really quick. There wasn't like an insane amount of stuff that happened, uh, but we want to dive into the the review of Ready Player One. So let's talk a little bit Marvel DC sh- shenanigans. Woody Harrelson might be playing a villain in the Marvel Universe. Did you guys all hear this? No, that's yes. awesome. A new report from no. Bleeding Cool suggests that Woody Harrelson's mysterious character will be in Venom. Ooh. And will actually turn out to be Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. Yep. Huh. The figure is a staple of the Spider-Man lore, receiving his own Venom-esque symbiote suit after coming into contact with Eddie Brock's symbiote in prison some rumors have previously suggested that Riz Ahmed might portray Carnage in the film but this latest report seems to indicate it could be Harrelson to don the red and black and this is coming from Bleeding Cool hmm. so I'll take it with a grain of salt but it looks like they're trying to get Woody Harrelson to be Carnage now you guys know more than I do does Woody Harrelson fit the age bracket that Carnage would be at all no uh Maybe the magic of movie makeup would make it happen, but uh, as far as real life age, no. And then maybe because, eh. but Cletus Cassidy's not like it's not like he's twenty one. No, nah, but and it's not his... like Eddie Brock is for Venom. He's not a young guy either. He's in his thirties. Yeah, but uh, uh, Cletus Cassidy's like late twenties, early thirties. Well, what's and wrong with him being a thirty five ish? 
guy. Woody Harrelson doesn't look thirty five. Woody Harrelson fifty something, right? Yeah, but but movies can I know. they can they can make him up. They'll take care of it. Yeah, but I, I think Woody Harrelson will be will do a better job of being a psychopath than Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed's a good that's actor. The, that's the beauty of that's it. Yeah, the, yeah. That's the, the that's, that's the icing thing. on the cake. Is where yeah, Woody Harrelson will do crazy a lot better. Like murder is crazy. He's, a lot that's Mickey with the symbiote from huh. Natural Born Killers. Okay, and he was yeah, that would work nuts. So you guys uh, would be cool with that. I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, but is he going to be in the movie though? Because that's know, a, the rumor. We haven't rumor. seen Venom either. The rumor. So, you know. I mean? Oh, that's true. Huh? Yeah, we so we don't know. Yeah, it all. might just be Cletus Cassidy and no, no Carnage. So you don't know. What's interesting is they have a fucking trailer out and they haven't even filmed the Carnage parts in this movie. Yeah, which is a little scary. That's a little weird. Yeah, or the Venom parts, obviously. So if there are any, or the Spider-Man part. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he might be. In I mean, because you might need him. By the way, the Flash. There's some Flashpoint news. This is just back and forth, back and forth. But <laughs> mm-hmm. The Hollywood Reporter has mentioned that they're not dead set on Flashpoint. They don't really know if it's going to be Flashpoint just yet. <laughs> so we had all this speculation of all these people switching characters and blah blah blah. We have no idea. But uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was on Jimmy Kimmel, and they, it, you know, he asked him, "Are you going to be in it?" Although. More times than not, they keep their mouth shuts pretty well. He did stir up the pot a little bit more. The he fact that he could be Thomas Wayne and yeah. be... We actually um, put that on the podcast. Ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> wonderful. That's probably where you heard it. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> I'll edit it. Thank you. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, I put that whole clip. Really? Yeah. Do not mm-hmm. remember that at all. Yeah. I remember hearing it on the radio, not here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was from your own podcast. Fuck. So, I did, but I don't remember listening to yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it on the radio. <laughs> so now this is in limbo. It could just be a Flash movie or not a movie at all. It could be all. just a Flash movie. It's definitely going to be a movie. It could just be a Flash movie. But if people are waiting for the Flashpoint, so, and that might not happen. I would, I would prefer a Flash movie first and then a Flashpoint later. Right, I'm, right, still, right. I'm still not able to chew this thing because what is being implied is we don't get Bruce Wayne after Flashpoint, which is a very dangerous and risky thing to do. Uh, it's almost impossible. So it you is can't impossible. have yeah, you have to have Jeff, Bruce Wayne. You cannot have Thomas Wayne as the current Batman. No, no, no but you guys that. said it in episodes a while back that you can have Thomas Wayne for a full film and then at the very end of it switch it back. That's exactly that's it. what has to happen. So you can, can have him there, but happen. the whole switching care I hope they don't try to I hope that's not what's hanging this up. Do we get rid of Batfleck? I mean, you could get rid of him. You can and get rid of Ben Affleck. Put and somebody else. Stick someone else in there. It's not unheard of. It's really hard to slice and chew right now. So, I'm sure it's not hard for you to chew. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> I'm sure you can chew just fine. <laughs> Guys, we have, right. a, we have a voicemail from King Tom. Uh, again, King Tom called to leave a voicemail. And again, I didn't let him leave a voicemail. I picked up the phone and started talking to him. <laughs> He's like, oh, when I see King Tom on my phone, I said, I'm going to pick up the phone and talk to King Tom. <laughs> when hey, the, how did that even go? Is he like, oh, Raj, I'm trying to leave a I picked up the phone buddy. and I go, this is the Sithless Hotline. <laughs> well, when the king calls, you answer. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. So let's listen to King Tom. He said that we're going to really love this voicemail. I haven't heard it. So let's listen to what he says. Hey there, Sith listeners. It's King Tom. I really loved last week's episode. Was it, uh, what was it called? Debating with Dolachahi. Oh, Strumming with Struthers. That's it. 
Anyway, I, I like the little, you know, the, the the bit you guys did at the beginning when you had a bunch of Star Wars questions for each other. And throughout through my year, more than a year of listening to you guys, I, I've had a little question in the back of my head for each of you that I never really, you know, had a chance to ask. But now I figure this, this groundbreaking episode you guys did last week gives me the opportunity to ask them. So I'm going to go ahead and ask them. And, and these are for you as individuals, but if, if any of you, you know, want to chime in or add, please feel free to do so. Anyway, boo, the, the worst millennial ever. I don't think I've heard anyone call you that in a while, so I'm resurrecting it. You know, millennials watch TV differently than those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s did. So I want to know, out of your TV show, all the TV shows you've ever seen, what is your favorite TV show, series that you've ever watched, and what is your what was your preferred way to watch it, like binging it or season after season? That's my question for you. Arash, out of all the, the, the live events, concerts, sporting events, WrestleManias, what is the one live event that you've attended that if you could go to again, you would go to without hesitation? What's, what's your favorite live event you've been to? Les, the guy who knows, you know, more than, more than me about comic books and stuff, what is your one favorite comic book issue, or hell, I'll say comic book storyline or issue of all time? And finally, the, the rock god, the, the artist with the guitar, Eric Strothers, what is your favorite song to perform live? Not to, to watch someone perform, but for you to be up there, wind blowing through your, your golden locks, guitar strapped to your chest, what is your favorite song to perform live? Like I said, these are all little questions I've wondered at one point or another, and I'm asking them now. Thanks for answering. Thanks for the great podcast. I'll talk to you guys later. King Tom coming through with a fucking great question. <laughs> We're going to go yeah. backwards from the questions that he asked, so Boo will end with you. Gotcha. Eric, we'll start with you. Eric, what is your favorite song to perform on stage? I'm going to have to go with the tune that we do in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra tribute shows that I do each year. Um, and it's called A Mad Russian's Christmas, which is, it's based off of the Nutcracker Suite. By Tchaikovsky? And that's the one, man. And I just wanted to it's, say Tchaikovsky like that, by the way. I just, I was dying. <laughs> it, it's really cool. I will... I will find a, a good YouTube video and get it, get that to you so you can see what I'm talking about. Maybe I'll put a soundbite of it in mm. right now. There you go. Tchaikovsky. <laughs> We're going with less favorite comic book series and why? Well, Favorite comic book, I guess, storyline of all time for me is Executioner's Song. And uh, the reason why I like that one, I think I've said it before, it was basically the first story that I actually actively sought out and collected. Like, I, every dime I got, I saved. I, every dime I earned, every dime that I made, I saved so I can make it to the comic store that's when I really got into it. That's when I got to know my comic store owner, you know, the owners and the guys that ran the shop. And the only reason, the other reason I like it is it's an X-Men story that brings pretty much every villain and every member or mutant 
that has ever been around, even as far as the 90s goes. You got all the X teams. You got all the villains. Cable. I mean, you have a, a Strife, Apocalypse. Uh, Magneto's not involved in it, but you got all the other lower level, second tier, and they're just pushing. And then there's something that happens in that storyline that actually sent a lot of comic fans going nuts. And we didn't have Twitter back then, so it wasn't like something they could tweet about. But in that storyline, this is an adamantium-covered Wolverine who apparently has his ribs broken. And it's like, what? And it's even there, and he's like, three of my ribs broken, healing factor kicking in, and everybody lit up Marvel going, what the bleep? How does an adamantium-covered Wolverine have broken ribs? And did they go on AOL chat rooms? They, I, I would assume so, but they <laughs> every little, like all the, um, cause you could write to comics back then and they would put those in almost all the letter columns was just like, are you kidding me? It was great. And actually, you know, I ended up getting a, a detention in high school over that comic story. <laughs> cause I, I ended up cussing some dude out. After detention, did you walk football field and put your fist in the air? <laughs> No, actually, I was scared to death because my mom was going to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> so, your mom put a fist up your ass. Yeah, she did, man. I was like, damn. Okay, uh, my turn. So uh, I've been to, I can't even think of how many concerts I've been to. I'm going to just stick with concerts. Remember, I worked at a music store that had a Ticketmaster. So, and I, I ran the Ticketmaster. So I would go to concerts. I worked with, I worked for a ticket agency on the side while I worked there. So you were the Ticketmaster. So I went to shows that I didn't even want to go to. Like I saw the Spin Doctors. Oh. Yeah. Eric, you remember them? I do remember them. You know, if you want to call me baby, Arash. Oh, if you. Don't do it. Don't. Uh, it was. It. Probably Where's the- Deadpool to chop your fucking head off? Hold on, now, dude. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving them props. They're awful. I know, I know, man. And I, I know, and I walked I out halfway through the show. Oh, I got tickets funny. for free. Yeah. So I went. It was it was awful. I, I'm not proud. But I, I've seen so many concerts in my life. The one that I would love to go back to, it was two nights in a row at the Rose Bowl. I got to see Pink Floyd in the Division Bell Tour. And I had amazing seats. I was 10, 10 rows from the stage because I worked at Music Plus. <laughs> and Ticketmaster would hold seats for the employees. And if I could just go back, I remember it vividly, the lasers. Uh, I remember a dude doing co- snorting cocaine next to me. He came all the way from Japan to see them in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, and I was, I was, you know, in high school. So I would say the Division Bell, Pink Floyd, that was unbelievable. That would be mine. Boo. TV show. So um, it's down to two. It's down to two because these were... Really big parts of my childhood would be the, the Batman animated series and the Superman animated series. These were my first actual forays into each one of the characters. Mm. This is before uh, was a, I knew of comic books or really of the movies or anything like that. Although Superman was very cool because he, you know, he's fucking Superman. The you know the the villains that he had you know going against Darkseid you know Parasite all those kind of people was awesome. But the world of Gotham that was created for the animated series was incredible. The villains in there were just amazing. The yeah, that was my first foray into Batman being a detective and not just being a badass, which I thought was awesome cuz you know, yeah, everybody just knows Batman and his gadgets and all that, but the guy's a fucking genius. Yeah, he is. Just yeah, so that was awesome to see and then seeing both shows very cool cuz you can see the difference between Gotham and Metropolis. 
It's yeah. like it's like almost as if Gotham has no sunlight ever. It's all just dingy and dark, and the metropolis is constant sunlight, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So the yeah, the world that you were able to see, and then the icing on the cake is Mark Hamill being the Joker, that one, one the top as far as like people who is the best Joker. I guess like if I had to pick one, Heath Ledger would be the number one, but number two would be Mark Hamill as voicing the Joker. Sure, sure. So was that the first time you were experienced Mark Hamill? Was that cartoon, or did you see Star Wars before you watched the cartoon? I think I was. Well, no, that's tough because I, I don't think I knew who the voice actor was until later. But there's probably a good chance that that was my first time that's with Mark Hamill. That's pretty cool. Man. There's the other. Yeah, Mark good Hamill chance. would really appreciate that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would have to pick Batman the Animated Series. It's probably my my favorite show. Very yeah. Cool. And how did you like watching it? Would you, if you were to go back in time and binge watching would be an option, would you want to have that weekly? Was it daily? It was daily. It was daily. Yeah. Would you was... want to have that anticipation of watching it daily? It's like a mini binging, right? Yeah. Um, would you binge, want to just binge it all at once? I just binge the shit out of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I would just like not like stop. Like millennials. Because <laughs> like right now it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon, the, the whole series. Oh, is it? And you're I fucking it. like blow through oh, seasons in like a That's sitting. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I binge the shit out of it. Yeah. Very cool. Great question, King Tom. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Okay, now let's get into... What I wanted to get into this whole time. Hello, I'm James Halliday. Before I died, I created an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg hidden inside the oasis will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the oasis itself. Ready Player One. Eric hasn't seen Ready Player One. Mm-mm. And for those who have not seen Ready Player One, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. But let me just say this. Us spoiling it really doesn't take away from the film because there's so many things visually that you're going to miss that it's worth watching. And it's worth watching multiple times, especially if you come from that generation. Because I felt like I was a 10-year-old inside the movie theater with and I had a huge grin on my face. So we're going to spoil it if you do not want to know what happens. And here, here is a disclaimer. If you've read the book, the book is a lot different than the film. So if you're thinking, I've read the book and I'm not going to get spoiled because I know what's going to happen, that is definitely not true. So if you don't want to be spoiled, please forward this about 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, and we'll be done with it. So in five, four, three, two, one... Spoiled. Yep. No, and that noise again from Back to the Future is not the history. <laughs> All right. So I have read about half of the book, <laughs> and then I went to Audible, and I listened to the rest of the book because I didn't want to not finish it before the movie. And I thought the movie was fantastic. Um, it wasn't a perfect movie. There was flaws here and there. But if you've read the book, you know that the book is pretty much an almanac of everything 80s. And a little 90s, a little bit. But the book is strictly 80s. And it would have been virtually impossible for Steven Spielberg to put all the things that were in the book inside this movie. That's why he said this was the third hardest film that he's ever directed behind Jaws and Saving Private Ryan. Wow. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I was a kid in a candy jar. I was looking all around 
kid in a candy car jar. Does that make sense? It's fine. Someone dropped you in a very big jar. <laughs> very big I'm jar. I'm thinking Willy Wonka. <laughs> very big That's jar. The, That's yeah. Thinking Willy Wonka. Yeah. Guys. I think I think that would be better than a candy store. I think I'd rather be in the candy jar though. That'd kid be kind of cool. Shop is what I was probably should have yeah. said. Store, well, but it's okay. What I loved about the film. What I loved about the film. <laughs> what, I lo- what I absolutely loved about the film is that. Oh, sweet Jesus. We haven't done this in a no, while. Man. Yeah, we you can tell. You're pretty much in a video game the entire film. Mm-hmm. It was it was just really amazing, and the things that they did in this film, and we're, I'm not going to uh, mention all of them right now because we're going to go over the like the top five things that I thought was the coolest things. In gets the hundred percent gets a Sithless seal of approval. It is pretty much what our podcast is all about. <laughs> it's everything, every genre you can possibly imagine in pop culture and geekdom is in this film. They even appeased Overwatch players, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was super cool. And I know Spielberg said that he didn't want to put any of his movies in this film because he didn't want to feel like he was tuning his own horn. I made that reference right, right? Mm. Tuning, horn, horn, tuning. Yes. Yes. But there was one big one. We saw the T-Rex mm-hmm. and we saw the chase, which was fucking amazing. <laughs> and the people that, that did the uh, CGI and the people that did the editing, they put, without him knowing, they put some Spielberg references in the film <laughs> without him knowing, which is cool. Like this, the book that Schindler's List is based upon is somewhere in the film. Mm. Yeah. Which is very cool. So. Eric, for you who hasn't seen the film, I have a feeling that you're going to have a big smile on your face the entire time. I bet so, man. I bet so. You're going to be very, very stoked with it. <laughs> so I want to get both of your opinions real quick. Les, what did you think about this? I already know what you thought, but tell the audience what you thought about this. I saw it twice. Uh, first time I saw it with a good friend of the podcast and a good friend of ours, Rob Casaba. We have an email from Rob. Oh, we mm-hmm. do have about one. About a uh, specific event. Big <laughs> shout out to Rob. Uh, it was cool to watch with you. You, he, this guy knows the book back and forth. Yes, he does. So sure. it was actually a good thing to go watch it with him. So he told me a few things that happened in the book. From what I could see watching the movie, there was, it was so much fun that there's a level of brutality that I'm sure is in the book yes. that it can't pop out. It doesn't come out like the, the whole corporate thugging that was going on. And that, that, that wasn't played up on this one. It, it, it's just, but it was so much fun and you're watching so many different things that it's clouded over. I think that was done purposely and I think it was a good choice. And, and it's like, oh, well, you know, and yeah. And then for me, I'm going, oh, that's cool. And oh, that's fucking cool. And oh, that's sick. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. This guy's actually trying to kill this person. Yeah. Like, uh, oh shit. Well, and this is some a, real a, shit. A, mur- you know? a murder goes down in the film. <clears throat> yeah. And you really don't give a shit about it. Yeah. Right. Like and there's some like over. some straight up book, murder. Yeah. There's like some straight up murder, some straight up like, you know, we're basically, you know, the big corporations trying to take over the little thing, little guy and like doing all the stuff to hurt them and all that and intimidate. And it was just so much fun where you're just like, it was so secondary, but it was still a big part of it. What Rob said. It is definitely one of those movies that when it comes out on Blu-ray, when you're watching it at home, you're going to just have to put it on slow-mo and just forget all dialogue and just watch visually the first time around because there's so much stuff. It is just packed to the gills with every little tiny it's, thing. It's amazing. And you're just going, oh, there's that. and Oh, there's that. And I'm looking across at Raj and he's like, and I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's already passed. You 
You Eric, miss. Eric, there's not one scene that's not purposely done with things on the walls or it, things inside. Everywhere. Of every every scene has something purposely everywhere. somewhere. It is it's crazy, dude. Crazy, it's crazy, crazy. It's crazy. I 100% Sith list of approval. Now, this next one's important to me because this next one, a lot of the stuff that was in the film would not be around when he was around, right? So I want your take on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about the film? The movie is great. The movie is great. Was I'm I'm happy Spielberg is doing sci-fi again. Yeah. It, you know that's that that's some of my favorite all-time movies are you know him doing sci-fi. So I I love that he's doing and doing sci-fi again. That that he's back. Visually, this movie is just incredible. I didn't have the chance to see it in in 3D or on a bigger screen. So Struthers, when you go see it, or anybody else who's going to see it again or see it for the first time, the bigger the screen and the more dimensions you can get, go for it. Absolutely, because I, I yeah, we saw it in three D. It was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, and it doesn't take away, meaning it doesn't distract. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely see it in more and more dimensions. All the dimensions you can get, go for it. Visually, it's just incredible. Just a gorgeous movie. The virtual world that's created is is a uh, so just nuts. The things that are possible and all that to see. Um, the one thing I didn't like, I wish Ben Mendelsohn had uh, didn't put it on an accent, an American accent. I thought it would have been better if he was just. Regular Ben Mendelsohn, uh, but he he was great. The acting was great. The kids were good. Yeah, but with all of the, uh, I caught a bunch of Easter eggs. A bunch okay, of you Easter did. Eggs. I did, and I was surprised at how many were from, I guess my generation, or, or or that would correspond to me that I caught. That was that was very cool. There there was a ton there where I was like, oh, those are for me in particular. I was like, that's awesome. But yeah, but the the amount of Easter eggs in it for literally everyone is just insane. Yeah, like like you guys were saying, you need to watch it seventeen times. I you know, I, I like I was telling the guys, I uh, the way that uh, football teams watch game film is that they'll have a dial that'll go forwards and backwards. You know, at, at any point, that's what you need to do with this movie. Is literally go forwards. Oh wait, I think I saw something. Go back, forward a little bit, back. Just it's you're gonna watch this movie seventeen times and still not catch everything. That's how many Easter eggs are in it. Very cool. All the characters are very awesome. Just yeah, just a really, really good movie. Really good movie. Recommended. Absolutely. Sisless uh, seal of approval. Guaranteed. Yes. Boo! I am so glad that you loved it. It's great hearing from someone that wasn't like there was a lot of like Atari stuff in there. That you yeah, I caught that. Yeah, you caught all that mm-hmm. stuff. I played those fucking games, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I played those games. So it was so super cool to me to see that. But uh, here's some of the stuff that we think. The Sith list things were the were the coolest moments of Ready Player One, and some of the stuff that you some of the things that you might not have caught, mm-hmm. uh, and you can go back and check it out. The big race was amazing, <sighs> right? There was That's this nuts. big race, Eric, and the, the first Easter egg is they have to go and try to make it through this crazy, like a rally race, kind of like a Mario Kart kind of thing on but, roids. But but then you had T Rex and King Kong fucking with you, so you don't finish the cars that you see there. Are the speed racer car? Mm-hmm. Is that the Mach Five? Yes. You see the A Team, mm-hmm, the van. Stephen King's Christine. Nice. I didn't see that one. Yeah, Stephen King's Christine's in there. Obviously, the DeLorean. Mm-hmm. His DeLorean also has the Knight Rider light in the front. Um, I'm surprised they didn't put the Ghostbuster sticker on the door. And the book, they have a Ghostbuster sticker mm. on the door. I, they probably couldn't get the rights. Or just the Ghostbuster mobile. Yeah, or the Ghostbuster mobile. So those are kind of the cars. And then you have the Akira cycle, the cycle bike, yeah, the cycle bikes in it. And they're just zooming around and they're just beating the shit out of each other. And the T-Rex is out there. And you see the, the scene from Jurassic Park where the T-Rex is chasing the car. <laughs> so 
that scene I thought was just fucking amazing and mm-hmm. cool. And the way that they figured out the clue, I'm not going to ruin it for Eric because I don't need to, was even better. Yeah. It was super cool. Iron Giant. <sighs> Iron Giant, when he enters the battle at the end, mm-hmm. was awesome. And this is more of your kind of yes. era. Yeah, that, 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 that was more for me. I remember me. the Iron Giant too, but uh, Gundam versus Mecha Godzilla. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> that was insane. That was, l- l- let me give you pretty much what this movie is about. Gundam flies out of Serenity from Firefly. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. To battle him. That pretty much sums up. This, this <laughs> there was an X-Wing in the film. Hmm. R2's in the film somewhere. Oh, I miss those two. And even though they said that there were there weren't going to be any Star Wars references, there were Star Wars references big time. Mm-hmm. They used Padawan. That's, yeah, that, that was one of them. Yeah, and they used the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. And here's the great thing: if you look at H Garage, mm-hmm. if you look, you'll see the flying caravan from Spaceballs Eagle Five <laughs> in upper right corner, upper left corner. Mm-hmm. So people look for it if you ha- if you're going to go see it again. And by the way, Halo. Was shown a shit yeah, ton. There was a, a clan. Master Chiefs, yeah, running yeah, around. And it's um, a character is an orc, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And he's using a Halo rifle to fight mm-hmm. Freddy fucking Krueger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric's probably going, what are you guys even talking about? <laughs> Dude, it sounds insane. It's, it's, it's insane. But the number one thing that I almost shit myself was they recreated The Shining. Don't, don't give away too much. We're spoiling the shit out of this. We thing. are? All yeah, of it? Yeah, he said it. Yeah. So, all right, because yeah. this Y'all was got great. Roll if okay. you ain't seen this it. This is pretty cruel, and I won't give away too much because right. I don't want Eric doing this Yeah. Part. But Eric, were you a fan of The Shining? <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, so I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. People that have watched it know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's probably in my top five. And it this was not in the book whatsoever. They actually, in the book, they do a whole thing with Rush. In 2112. Mm. Um, and sadly, they didn't do that in the film, but this was so well done. Eric, if you're a fan of The Shining, you're going to shit yourself. I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> Definitely was my favorite part of the film was The Shining scene. And it goes on for a long time. And that was a um, tribute from Spielberg to his friend Stanley Kubrick. That was all that was. Mm. Also loved the Zemeckis Cube. That was awesome. That was pretty fucking cool. And the and the noise that you hear now is from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. Uh, and I know I'm missing a thousand things. You see Batman. You see also, by the way, in that race, you see the old school Batman, the old yeah, TV series. The Adam West one, well. yeah. Yeah. So there's, I'm, I'm just rambling on because I was so excited with all the different things that I saw. That's why when I said that it's not a perfect movie, I don't care if it's not a perfect movie because I felt like it encompassed everything. I mean, wait till you see the last battle, Eric. It is just, it was, it's like Lord of the Rings, but with all the characters we all know and love. Ton of, ton of just nerd characters. Yeah. yeah Harley Quinn's in it. The Joker's in it. I mean, uh, I could go on and on. I, I, I'm not probably getting 10% of everything. So Freddy Krueger gets taken down by H, and then the Ninja Turtles take down Jason. Mm hmm. Voorhees. Yes, and the Battletoads are there with him. Yes, so the Ninja Lord Turtles Croft take that guy down, and that guy goes to jump out the window. Yeah. In real life, they take his avatar down, which was Jason. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, is this is this the last episode of the Imagination Land arc in South Park, then? 
Yes. <laughs> it's basically your toy box. It's basically when you were at home <laughs> and you reach in your toy box, dump everything out and just start punching each other with everything. <laughs> you just grab He-Man and smack your G.I. Joe across the room. <laughs> and you get your Ninja Turtle and you boot the He-Man up into the air and then you run it over with your Bigfoot truck. And then you, you know what I mean? And then you come down with the jet from like your Robotech jet and just blow everything up and fly off with that. And you're just making all these weird noises and going pew pew. And your parents are going, well, as long as he's not in trouble, it's okay. Exactly. No, less is 100%. That's it right there. It is absolutely right. Ridiculous. It's like, it's like an orgy of geekdom. Mm -hmm. It is. No. And then after you do all that, you turn around and turn on your video game and you start playing Nintendo. Or ColecoVision or Donkey Kong. By the way, ColecoVision's in the movie as well. Everything. Fucking ColecoVision's in the movie. And Rush was represented. There's Rush posters on the wall and there's Rush Mm t-shirts. So Rush was represented. The only thing that was missing was, and I guess this only goes for Nintendo, was like the having to blow into the cartridge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Please, people. I know people should remember this. Not just Nintendo. Atari was that way. You had well, to blow into the Atari, you had to like kind of like slide it in and, and make it work sometimes. <laughs> well, he kind of does that. Yeah. With adventure, he kind of like, he like oh, slides yeah, yeah, it down yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, oh. Just, yeah, they did it all, man. They, they talk about Pitfall. They talk about Joust. Well, we have a couple of voicemails specifically about this, and we have an email. So let's listen to JP talk about Ready Player One. Hey, Seth Listers, it's JP. Uh, so, you know, I'm always talking about Ready Player One. Finally got to see it this past week. I actually loved it. You know, as a huge fan of the book, I understand what they had to do. Uh, there's a lot of uh, intellectual property that they had to try to license. They got what they got. Um, they had to tighten up the story. You know, I'll even admit, as a huge fan of the book, there were some slow parts in the book. Things that aren't going to play well, things that play well in a book that aren't going to play well on the big screen. Uh, my buddy Dallas and I talked on Twitter a little bit. They're like, you know, a CGI character playing uh, at an arcade cabinet is not going to play in the theater. So I understand why they went with that whole uh, Grand Theft Auto crazy taxi um, thing at the beginning, which I thought was pretty rad. So having said that, here's my question. Um, if you guys, if the Oasis were real and you could create your avatar and you you could have your own wheeled vehicle to race for the copper key what would it be and what would your weapons be like if you were going to go have the big throwdown at the end at castle anorak what would you what would you uh load up your avatar with uh for me my car i'm thinking i'm going to go retro i'm going to go uh kit from knight rider uh but not that lame uh super pursuit mode kit but the early like gen one kit and for my weapons, I, I definitely would want a DL-44 blaster, Hans blaster. I think that would be cool. Maybe a pair of them. And, uh, you know, maybe a Mandalorian uh, jetpack. I don't know. So I'm just curious to see what you guys would trick out your avatar with and what your uh, wheel vehicle for the race for the copper key would be. All right, guys. Keep up the great podcasting, and I'll talk to you later. JP, thanks for that, for that voicemail. Appreciate it, man. Great question. I'm going to start off real quick with the car, at least. I want Steve McQueen's bullet. Oh my god, yeah. that's awesome! Now um, that I just thought of that, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that would be badass, oh my man. god! And I think the gun, like the weapon that I would use, would be Rambo's fucking machine M60. Gun. Yeah, oh, M60. Who, who would you be though? Who would you be? Who would be your avatar? Oh, my 
Avatar, G.I. Joe, Storm Shadow? Storm yeah, Shadow yeah, is the white one, right? Yeah, he's the bad guy. I'd be Storm Shadow. So Storm Shadow oh, in the cool. bullet with an M60. That's pretty shit. That's yeah, awesome. I'll, I'll take that. That's awesome. I'll take that. How about you, Boo? So mine is all going to be just one. I would be uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I would have the chopper. I would have the chopper. I would be Arnold Schwarzenegger with the sunglasses on and the leather and all that, the you know, leather jacket. And I would have the uh, the lever action uh, shotgun as my weapon. And then I would have a secondary weapon where I bust out the minigun at the end as like my like not, super. Not the tear gas grenade launcher. No, that that's cool. But the minigun seems like yeah, yeah. Like like when the, the helicopter fight, he's like, holy shit, he's got a minigun. I'm like, yeah, that's so. I would, I would be just all one. Yeah, that would be me. Awesome. Okay, I'm I'm gonna kind of cheat, but not really. So I'm taking my avatar. I'm gonna take my hunter from <laughs> Destiny Two. I'm gonna use the Night Stalker mode because you have a shadow shot which tethers enemies. So I would just jump up in the air and tether like all the enemies in one shot and let everybody just while they're stuck and not moving, let everybody light them up with their weapon. My vehicle, though, oh man, kind of conflicting in this social climate, but Uh-oh. I'm rocking the General Lee. I'm going to roll with the General Lee or any. Could you imagine like getting Optimus Prime? Ha! <laughs> you can't have him. You can't have him. You can't transform him. Boom and having him transform out. Not during or, the race. Or could though. you be a transformer? You could be a transformer. Oh, you could be a transformer. Be a transformer. Oh, man. A weapon's tough. <sighs> Damn it. You'd be the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez? Is that what you're saying? Oh, oh no. no. Hurry up and pick a weapon. Guys. Ah, man. Just a regular ass. No, so I would tether people in and I would get uh, what's called the Dragon's Breath, which is a napalm cluster bomb rocket launcher. That's awesome. And just tether and then just poof, unload on them. Nice. You love unloading. Eric? Blasting everywhere. Huh. What would be your car? Uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Hell yeah. That's a great one. <laughs> that's a fucking great one. Who would be your avatar? See, what's weird is I was going to say Storm Shadow. Before you even We're, said really, time. that's great. That's yeah, cool. dude, that was weird. But then I thought, no, now I'll say Scarlet just to be a, a, a dick. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, because he was so badass, dude. He was badass. He Storm so Shadow. Cool. So I mean, Snake cool. Eyes was cool, but dude, Storm Shadow, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Storm Shadow was. You can use Storm Shadow. We can. No, but but Snake Eyes is the shit. You know what? I'll give you Storm Shadow, and I'll be Aladdin from the Super NES game. I'll be Aladdin rocking. Inside the bullet with an M60 on my fucking hand. Yeah, I'll rock Aladdin. That would be my avatar. <laughs> that would be my avatar. I'm down. You can have Storm Shadow, buddy. And what would you use for a, for a, uh, for a weapon? You could use Star Wars stuff, too. Remember that. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, this is... Well, this well is dang. Deep. Yeah, this is everything. You can do whatever you want, buddy. The Death Star. Now, um, probably, <laughs> probably the chain gun from Commando, where he... Where he pulls it off the, um, you know, the one I'm talking about that he's walking around with, and they, it looks like a, a toy in his hands because he's so humongous. In, uh, in, in, in Commando, the scene in the courtyard where he's just like walking around, yeah. just shooting everybody, and everybody's just like falling. Yes. That's the M60. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Very good. Very yeah. good. We have, the, we have the same weapons, but yeah. We got to get together and join a clan. <laughs> clan up. Yeah. Great question, JP. That was badass, man. Thank you. It made us uh, have some fun right now. Mm-hmm. Just like that question made us feel like we're thinking about Storm Shadow and all that cool stuff. That's <laughs> how this movie is. And it makes us feel that way. Now, we have an email from Rob Cassaba. 
who went to see the movie with Crunch Crunch, and hopefully he didn't ruin Crunch Crunch didn't ruin the film for you, Rob. Let's see what Cassaba has to say. Hey, Sithless, I had the pleasure of checking out Ready Player One with none other than the Crunchness himself, Les Gonzalez, this past weekend. I don't think you have all seen it yet, so I don't want to spoil it for you. I will say that there are some major departures from the source material, but for me as a fan, the movie did a good job in capturing the overall feel of the book. This isn't too surprising seeing how Ernest Klein was involved in writing the script. Visually, there's so much going on that you'll need the DVD to pause on scenes in order to catch all the 70s, 80s, and 90s pop culture references. Les and I both picked up several different things throughout the movie. Certainly not perfect movie, and I was a little disappointed that some of my favorite parts of the book weren't included, but overall a very fun film. Hope it merits the Sithless seal of approval. It sure does. We're just waiting on one more person to, to stamp that thing. I can also report that there were no choking or food-related distractions from Les. My God. <laughs> it's a miracle. Baby's all grown up. He did provide an entertaining moment for me and those around us letting it out. Hell yeah. When a certain Japanese robot hit the screen. <laughs> really enjoyed the Zeppelin breakdown last week. A very influential group that I've come to appreciate over time. The Who was my band of choice from that era. Eric, I'm curious to know where you are as a player put Pete Townsend in the pantheon of guitarists from the 70s. I personally think he's one of the greatest songwriters from that time and that he's underrated as a player. So until next time, Rob. Rob, thank you for that email. And I'm going to ask Eric to dive into uh, strumming with Struthers. <laughs> but Pearl Jam played Teenage Wasteland right mm. after they played Comfortably Numb. So that's fucking crazy. <laughs> so, so Eric... What do you think about Pete Townsend and what do you think about The Who? I love The Who. I think Pete Townsend, he hit it right on the head. Amazing songwriter. He was, in that time, you know, guitar wasn't like what it is now. But it's for, it was a songwriting tool for him and he killed it. And an amazing visual performer. He, you know, sort of pioneered a lot of the stuff that, that people do today. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, please don't at me. I know it's not called Teenage Wasteland. It's called Bob O'Reilly. So you put him in the pantheon of great guitarists of his era. Oh, sure, man. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Okay, let's end this podcast with The Whim. Send us an email. And it has to do with Ready Player One and pop culture. This is what The Whim has to say. Fuck you guys. That's 80. <laughs> Thank you for starting off with that, by the way. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Best 80s pop culture movie is The Last Starfighter. By the way, they're re rebooting The Last Starfighter. I read an article today that they're remaking it. Mm. Yes, I yeah. saw no. that. I saw that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Why not? Unnecessary. Unnecessary, and they're doing it. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of Ready Player One, I, I totally identify with this work as the character that the plot is driven on is only a year younger than I am. With the exception of those weird anime references, everything spoke to me. I don't read books that often, but RPO, I read four times in the past two plus years I've had the book. I hope they don't stray too far from the trailer alone they did. The race where they were rocking the Rush tune isn't in the book. Speculation as to being part of the quest doesn't fit in with how the book is structured, and I hope it doesn't screw it up. I don't think it did screw it up. I think it added to it. The way I mean, It was pretty awesome. I have faith in Steven Spielberg. I may try to sneak out and try to see this in a theater. I just have to find almost an empty screening. Why couldn't Valerian come out when I was going through this? <laughs> Uh, That's funny. Uh, uh. Now, Krypton. He wants to talk about Krypton. Mm. Krypton. Yes, bitch. Oh, but the women's a little snarky today. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's on it. I love Man of Steel. I'm a whore. Hey, I like <laughs> Man of Steel too, buddy. And the Krypton scenes in 
in that movie left me wanting more of the story. Only complaint is my notion that in the pilot episode, the main character talks about knowing there are other aliens out there, which previous movies, including Man of Steel, contradict. My Facebook friend and fellow DC fan talked me off the ledge. Yes, talked me off the ledge about DC thing. And this is a significant period of time between the show and when Cal-El is sent on Earth. Chomping at the bit for new episodes, hopefully we'll eventually be able to delve into a little deeper than the conflict between General Zod and Jor-El. Also, how are you feeling on The Expanse? Have you seen it? I have not seen it, The Whim. I watched the first two seasons on Amazon Prime, and season three starts in a few weeks. As a supplement, I just started to read the books. Love to hear your takes on the show. Did you watch Annihilation? Weirdest part was when Poe was getting freaky with Padme. (laughs) (laughs) And that's from The Whim. Great show as always, guys. Talk to you soon, The Whim. Whim, thank you so much for this email. Loved your references about uh, Ready Player One. I By the time that we've read this, hopefully you've seen it, and hopefully you got to see it in the theater, and yes. hopefully you loved it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it took away too much of what the book was trying to do. Ernest Klein helped write this thing, as Rob said. So yeah. he did this help with the screenplay and the adaptive screenplay. So that's great. Krypton, I have not seen yet, but I've I have. I've been watching. Things. I've been on it. Superman yeah. hater over here, Les, loves <laughs> it. So that says a lot. It, it does, yeah. I've, uh, <laughs> wow, yeah. I heard the production value is top amazing. notch. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's actually really channel. good. Yeah. The Expanse, I haven't seen. I haven't seen it either. That's one of the shows that I really do want to get into. It's just sitting there. So, I mean, I try to watch as much stuff as possible, but The Expanse is one of those things that I, I'm really late on and I'd, I'd actually like to get into it. Hopefully, finish it faster than a Raj took to finish Westworld. By the way, people, I finished Westworld. We'll Holy next shit, week. my yep. God. It's finish a fucking Westworld. miracle. Giant spaghetti monster and all, huh? That spaghetti monster was a son of a bitch. (laughs) Thank you so much, Wim. I hope you're feeling better. Hope you're kicking ass like you always are. Mm -hmm. And I know we have, Neil sent us a voicemail about The Walking Dead, and we don't have time again to get into Walking Dead because I haven't seen the last two episodes because I was away. So I'm going to watch those as soon as I get off this uh, podcast. And I'm going to watch those and we're going to talk about the last three episodes pretty Mm -hmm. much leading up to the season finale. And by the way, we have an opportunity to cover for Making Star Wars, Mm. the pop culture division, the Walking Dead season season finale. finale. That's a crossover with Fear of the Walking Dead. Having it in a movie theater, IMAX theater, close to our house, and we are able to cover it. And they're sending us some tickets uh, so we can go check it out. Pop the culture. perks of being on making Star Wars on net. Pop culture division. Come like through, that. baby. Coming through. Thank you, Jason Ward, for that. Thank we you. really appreciate Thank you that. Very much. So that's great. Now, that's pretty much it for this crazy welcome back episode. Please go see Ready Player One. And if you didn't like it, let us know. Hopefully, Eric Struthers will go see Ready Player One by the time we come back. Probably not, but I'm just hoping. All, all you need <laughs> to tell him is that there's Star Wars references in it and he'll be there. there because they're definitely Star Wars references. Watching a certain character, yeah, watching Mr. Mendelssohn's character say, "Yeah, and Mendo was in it for God's sake." Saying yeah. Millennium Falcon, it was just, yeah, yeah, yes. it, was, it was thick, dude. You're like, yeah. oh, that's so awesome. So you need dude. to go see it, Eric, and do it for the podcast. <laughs> I'll do my very best. I would love to get. It. All right, people, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we will catch you next week. And hopefully you got that Easter. Mm. Hopefully you're the first uh, three to get it. Hopefully you're the first three because you're going to get some swag. Mm. You're going to get some cool shit. (laughs) Weak stuff, man. You can't play, Eric. (laughs) I don't expect to, man. Okay. 
We'll catch you next week on episode number 88. Eric Lindros. Lindros. Uh, <laughs> the stiff list. Out here.